I'm Jamie Hurst, and for the MSU Denver Alumni Association, we're excited to bring you Bird Talk, a podcast about our alumni, their careers, and their lives. Talking to a journal, a real journalist, I'm like, I better have my my shit together today, you know? Well, don't <laughs> go around accusing me of being a real journalist now, okay? <laughs> That's going to ruin all your credibility if you start saying stuff like that. Good morning and welcome to Bird Talk. This is our second episode and we are so delighted today to be bringing aboard Gary Streisky, a 2010 graduate from MSU Denver earning a degree in journalism. After a series of regional sports reporting stints in Cheyenne, northern Colorado, and Houston, Gary landed at the New England Sports Network, where he served as the Boston Red Sox sideline reporter and the co-host of the children's program NESN Clubhouse. You're now an anchor for ESPN Sports Center and can be found hosting the 7 a.m. weekend edition. I do catch you on the weekends, and it is pretty exciting. Uh, you got your start with ESPN in 2018, hosting Sports Center on Snapchat, the first ever daily sports show launched on the platform, and can still be seen contributing to other digital and social shows like Hoop Streams, uh, ranking, re- re- ranking, ra- wow, that is hard, ranking reaction. We love alliteration. I know, right? Uh, and baseball tonight live. Uh, now, even more impressive than anchoring Sports Center, your career afforded you a cameo appearance in the Hobby Center production of Flashdance. I did my deep my deep cut research here, oh, right? <laughs> Burn the tape. It's amazing what the internet provides, right? Uh, and just last year, you started your own episode of House Hunters, where you and your dog, Homie, found your new home. Uh, and in your spare time, you've jumped into real estate investment, so I'd love to talk to you a little bit about that today. Uh, performing marriage ceremonies, we share that in common. I do that as well. And I've become a trendsetter for rocking the Kirkland Costco brand, which I have so many questions about. Don't get me started on so the many questions. in America. So a Colorado native from Thornton, please join me in welcoming Gary Streisky to Bird Talk. So welcome, Gary. Awesome. Thank you so much. That introduction was fantastic. I'll have to take it from you and give it to other people who want to introduce me on their podcast. There you go. I am a little bit perturbed. I don't know if that's the right the right word. This is the second episode of Bird Talk. So I was only good enough to be on the second episode, huh? Travis Luther, who's actually a member of our Alumni Association board and hosts his own podcast. I used it as my, hey, come and join this and teach me how to be a good podcast host. So, All you know. All right, Travis. All right, Travis, mm-hmm. my new mortal enemy. <laughs> Um, so let's let's start with the most compelling piece there, flash dance. Do you remember this? So you're in Houston. You're doing, you're doing yeah. reporting. Uh, you're doing a backstage reporting instead of sideline reporting, and you actually got to cameo on there. I did get to cameo in this, and I do remember. Did you see it? I did. The video lives somewhere, right? It lives. Oh gosh, don't put it in this <laughs> podcast, please. <laughs> I've worked so hard to put that in my past. <laughs> right. Uh, so here's the thing. I'm like being told in my production report, and I was low man on the totem pole. I was a peon at KPRC. I was like 25 in a top 10 market. Probably had no business being there. They're like, this would be great for Gary. I was like, yeah, definitely. I can for sure see myself as an actor after this. So here I am thinking. I'm going to be in Flashdance. I'm going to the Houston Arts Performing Arts Center, and I'm going to be the main character. I'm going to have lines. I'm going to learn how to dance. I'm going to be in this thing from wire to wire. That was what I was thinking this whole time. And I'm pretty sure my part involved like being tucked away in some like corner in the back, like... Just dancing. Yep. You were up against a wall. Yeah. (laughs) They they hid you. 
two seconds, couldn't even see me. The only reason you would have known I was in that running of flash dance is if I told you I was in that portion of flash dance. But then I came out like, man, that was one of the most exhilarating moments of my life. <laughs> and I was, man, I had the theatrics ready. Because the whole time I'm thinking, I'm I am John Travolta. I know he's not in Flashdance. Sure, but sure. Greece, same sort of thing. <laughs> uh, so I do I do remember that. That's about ten years ago. Would you say that's one of the craziest things that your kind of career tra- trajectory has taken you on, or what else is on that list? I will be one hundred percent honest with you. Mm-hmm. I don't even think that would have cracked the top one hundred if you asked me to list one hundred things. Um, I've done in the last 10 years. I did. I didn't even, when you said that, I was like, what are you talking about? Flash dance. Oh, flash dance. I mean, I've been to the white house. I've been to, you know, championship games, finals games, red carpets, you know, locker rooms with Tom Brady and David Ortiz and LeBron James. And I've been and done and seen so many cool things. I've gone to dinner with people. I never thought I'd be going to dinner with, um, so the flash dance thing would not have cracked the top 100. No, nor no should disrespect it. at all. Not at the all. The production of flash dance uh, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's too funny. Um, okay, so we'll get to what this podcast is really about. Really, we're here to talk about our alums, kind of your career trajectory, how you're having an impact in uh, your communities, but how MSU Denver kind of jump-started that, hopefully, for you. So let's start with why MSU Denver. So you grew up in Thornton. You're a local kid. It's um, MSCD at the time. What made you say, this is the school for me? So I think a lot of my story is not too uncommon with a lot of people who grew up in Colorado, middle school, high school, and you always knew that Metro existed, and you knew it was down there, and you knew, hey, it's hustling, bustling, and very campus, shares it with CUD and UC Denver. UC Denver, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, there's a third one, is it? Uh, Colorado there? Community College. Colorado Community, that's mm-hmm. right. So you knew it existed. You knew like, all right, cool. You'd go downtown, you'd see the campus, you'd go to Nuggets games, you'd see the campus. Um, but a lot like other people, I wanted to be with my friends and I want to go where they go. And I decided, all right, I'm going to try Colorado State. Even though I knew, like, something told me even when I was, like, 17, 18, like, you want to be where the action's at. Like, you want to be in broadcasting. The broadcast stations, Fox, KDVR, uh, KUSA, they're all downtown Denver within a stone's throw of Metro State. So I did go to Colorado State my freshman year, and I bombed out. I had a sub-1 GPA, literally a sub-1 GPA. It's hard to do. That's So I got put on academic probation, two Fs. I failed astronomy 101, which is... To this day, the hardest class I've ever taken. I thought we were going to learn about planets and, you know, make fun. No, that's physics, man. Make jokes about <laughs> Pluto and Uranus and stuff. And no, none of that. I failed that. I freaking failed basketball because I took the class at 6 a.m. and I would sleep in because I'd play poker all night mm-hmm. online. Anyway, so I bombed out and I thought my parents were going to kill me. And they were like, Gary, this is your one get out of jail free card. And coming from a Korean household, education is everything. They go to school six days a week in Korea. It is education, education, education. So I thought my parents were going to kill me. My mom's Korean. My dad's Polish. They said, this is your one get out of jail free card. I said, I can't mess this up. So I transferred to Metro knowing I would live at home. I would have more structure in my life. I was a commuter kid from Thornton to Metro three days a week. And that, that decision truly changed my life. I remember talking to Marsha Neville 
when I worked at KDVR, I was an intern and she was a sports reporter, longtime sports reporter in Colorado. Her name is Marsha Neville, worked at NBC, worked at Fox. And I remember telling her in a conversation, like, it's so much, it's great. And I put this in my commencement. It's fantastic to know what you want to do in life. It's equally as good and beneficial and rewarding to find out early what you don't want to do in life. And what I didn't want to do is be some lost guy going to college for four years, not having a path, not having structure, not having a real meaning. And as soon as I transferred home, went to Metro, I got on this straight and narrow and uh, never looked back. So, I mean, truly, that decision at 19, 18, 19 years old was like the pivot point, right? Like the two paths diverged in a road and I chose the path less traveled. That was me, Robert Frost. I, I went, boom, I'm leaving Fort Collins. I'm going to Metro. And that was like the best decision I could have ever made. No, I think you're spot on. I think about that all the time, even now as an adult, like when I think about even something as simple as crafting job descriptions for people. Mm -hmm. My first question is always, what don't you want to do? Yes. Because to find the passion and the energy and the intensity to do something that you have no interest in day after day, yeah. it's draining. It's what causes so much of, you know, I think probably it's the stigma around constantly being tired and not motivated. And so figuring that out and, and is is so important. And it's that process of elimination. Figure out the things you don't want to do yeah. to find the paths that are going to fire you up. So to figure that out at 18 or 19, exactly. man, you're ahead of the game there. I'm 40. I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> we all are. I mean, this whole life, I'm 36 and I'm still... Like, all right, what's the mature decision to make here? Okay, fine. Uh, so it's so weird to see the contrast back then when I was a freshman, being so immature, skipping class. Don't get me wrong, I had a great time with my friends. We play basketball every night. I play online poker. I wouldn't go to class. So I, I was so immature in that, right? Right. But then I guess I was so mature knowing, yo, this is not sustainable. This is not smart. This is not the Gary that's going to set up future Gary. So uh, yeah, I'm really glad I had that realization. That's awesome. So you land here, you start taking some speech communications, journalism, everything in that space. You're pretty narrowly focused. And then you got involved in Met Media, right? Yeah. So talk I to did. me a little bit about Met Media, what role that played for you and how, in, how impactful that's been. It was everything. Without Met Media, I don't think I would be at Nesson Media or KPRC Media or ESPN media because it really is the foundational piece for me and was the foundational piece for me, not just inside the classrooms and the facilities, which is which was so weird being back in that same exact room uh, in December and talking to the, the current crop of Met Media students. Because I was like, that's the office. That's where the computers were. And the the footprint was still the same. So it was still it was it was strange. It was cool to see it, you know, a dozen years later still sort of constructed in the same spirit. But, you know, within those walls, I was able to create and sort of establish what I wanted to do. And outside of that, Metro allowed me the internship, which sort of acted as another springboard because I interned right down the street at KDVR, Fox, for three years. One of those years was like off the table and I was just kind of doing it as an aside. <laughs> like I wasn't... I wasn't getting credit. I wasn't getting money. But more importantly, I was getting experience, like real world experience. Right. Chris Tanaka and Eric Goodman got to a point where they trusted me so much that I was the producer. I cut all of their video. 
They're five minute sports casts. I cut every single piece of video. I ingested every single piece of video. I logged every single piece of video. And all of that stuff allowed me to hit the ground running when I got my first job in Wyoming. And then I went to Texas and then I went to Boston. Um, the foundation, you can build a tall building, but if there's no foundation, if it's not sturdy, you know, eventually it's going to topple over. But the Met Media Foundation I got was, uh, was integral. Well, and I think it's, that's what I love about higher education. Cause right. We, we study in the classroom, we learn the, the techniques, the theory, the strategy behind things, but until you have a place to test it out, yeah, uh, you don't know what works and what doesn't work. And it's just as equally as important figuring out what you like and you don't like. Yeah. So I imagine in a Met Media capacity where we've built this, um, you know, we've built this kind of container to be able to say this works, this doesn't work. Yeah. So I'm assuming in whatever experiences they have there, and especially now it's, I'm sure the landscape looks so different. We have a podcast studio in there that probably wasn't there when you were there. And oh, what's uh, a less, podcast? <laughs> right, what's a podcast? Um, that you get a chance to see like what is successful, what's not successful, what's going to be a value, what's that value add piece that when I do start interning and start getting low level positions that I can set myself apart. Real world experience, there is no equivalent. Um, and one of a, a, the, a, a local uh, TV guy in Colorado a couple of weeks ago was getting into like this Twitter dust up with everybody because it's Twitter about our internships. Should internships be paid? Should internships not be paid? You know, what was it like old school? What's it like new school? And he was of the old school variety that you can't put a dollar figure on real world and real life experience. And to a certain degree, I, I agree. And I understand that times change and things like that. But when I was interning for free for three years, one of those years off the books, I didn't even think about asking for money because I knew that like what I'm doing right now is just a means to an end. And this is just a temporary thing that I'm doing, that I'm learning, that's going to allow my earning ability in the very not so distant future to start increasing. So any opportunity that anybody gets who might be listening to this um, for real world opportunity out there in the field as an intern shadowing somebody, take it, take it, take it. If you say no, there are a hundred people right behind you like me uh, who would say yes to that. Right. No, you're, you're not wrong. That real world experience is paramount. Um, mm -hmm. I often talk, I think you joked about <laughs> even when you were in Texas, having no business in that space. My longstanding joke is that I've had no business getting any job that I've ever had. Correct. Right. I just, I <laughs> like, realistically, you look on paper, you're like, that's not translatable, yeah. but it's that, it's that drive and that thing to say, Hey, whatever it is, I'm going to figure it out. Cause I'm going to work harder. I'm going to work smarter. I'm going to learn as much as I can. Definitely. And so that is such an, such a paramount skill and realization. I think where it gets challenging and probably where this Twitter dust up happened is that the majority of our population doesn't have that opportunity uh -huh. to have a temporary stay in, you know, understanding that this is a temporary standpoint. And one of the things I love about MSU Denver is we recognize that yeah. we're not expecting that all companies and organizations are going to change the way they think about that. Mm -hmm. and lessen the value of that experience. So we do things like our earn and learn program where we'll actually then pay you for your unpaid internship because we know that we have 80% of our students that have to work in order to be here, right? Yeah. They're in a situation where they've got families, they've got other obligations, whatever the case might be. And if a company is not going to give money for an internship, guess what? We'll give you that money on that back end. So we're trying to find those middle grounds to be able to do that stuff because what you're saying is totally right. Yeah. You can't replace that real world experience. And to think that we can shape 
um, kind of the entire economic and corporate society <laughs> by convincing them they should is is not going to happen, right? Yeah, that's incredible. And again, to any viewers or listeners, you simply cannot have the accessibility that you have anywhere else than at Metro. Walking out on campus and you can be at Pepsi Center in two minutes, internship with front office or their catering or whatever, Pepsi Center, Ball Arena, you know <laughs> what I mean. Um, or KDVR, KCNC, KUSA are all five minute Ubers literally away. And you can't get that in Boulder. You can't get that in Colorado Springs. You can't get that in Fort Collins and you can't get that in Greeley. So um, the, re the real world stuff is right there in Denver. It is. It's the it's yeah. the perk of an urban institution, right? Yes. So while you were here, did you do much stuff with Roadrunners Athletics? I just I've never seen that that was something you really tied into. My time, no. It's actually one of my big regrets. Um, I was even talking to President Davidson about that. Was when I was with Met Media, I always, even to this day, I've always been like super scared or intimidated by play by play, right? I would love to get into play-by-play -play, and I would have loved to get into play-by-play -play when I was, when I was there. If that's one, if that, if there's one thing I could have changed about like being involved in, I would have definitely got into play-by-play. -play. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was, I was on the periphery of all of the athletics, um, knew what was going on, did interviews with him, but I wasn't ever hands-on. Sure. Um, with any of the programs. Well, Gary, this is your lucky day. We thought we were going to be networking with you to help other people. I'm here to network with you. I do play-by-play -play for Roadrunner Softball. Oh, that's so amazing. Any, anytime you want to get on the air, I'm always looking for color. I'm looking for somebody to take on some of that. Oh, that's great. Because otherwise it's just five hours of listening to me talk about softball. Yeah, be careful, be careful what you wish for. The one, the, so I was the sideline reporter for the Boston Red Sox for four years. And, uh, there's a lot of time to fill on baseball and softball games. Oh, I tell you. For ya. sure. For <laughs> and, sure. And, and especially like we play doubleheaders uh, back to back okay. days. So you're listening to me for five hours on Saturday, five hours on Sunday. And if we're not playing well, I'm still a fan too. Yeah, of course. Uh, and so then if I'm not playing, if we're not playing well, I get a little bit down. My, my energy goes down and then it's just like, well, here we are again. Here's so-and-so batting. Why is Jamie crying again? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it is, it is a totally scary space to be in. And, yeah. and I think it's the closest thing I get to that kind of like, oh gosh, you're live and you're on that moment and what you say at that moment matters. Mm -hmm. And I think about that then when you're nationally broadcasting on something like oh, SportsCenter. Yeah. Don't cuss, don't cuss, uh, don't, don't cuss. Don't cuss, right? All and, four letter words, leave them out of your vocabulary right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but it is, it's a scary thing, but it, I think it definitely forced me to grow in so many ways in oh, terms yeah. of just a level of confidence and, and that, um, and even the, the preparation that goes on the front end, like I'll be, you know, it's the night before games and my wife's the softball coach, which is how I landed that gig. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, and so like, we'll sit there and we'll talk about things. What are your keys to success? Who are you starting? What's going on? And then I'm sitting there with my score sheets and putting together my notes. And she's always like, wow, you take this really seriously. And I'm like, because otherwise I sound like an idiot on the air. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. hundred percent. So let's talk a little bit about your career then too. So your path to sports center, we talked a little bit, you had some regional stuff, a sideline reporter for the Red Sox, which had to be awesome going to Fenway for work, right? Oh yeah. I grew up a Red Sox fan. I was yeah. actually, I know you're not supposed to, but I was a Rockies fan, am a Rockies fan. And I like the Red Sox because I have family in Boston. So when I got the gig, I said, are you guys sure? <laughs> like me, <laughs> I'm not from here. 
Um, you know, I, I don't look like the, the sideliner reporters from the past, but man, that was that was freaking cool. Did you get any grief for not having a Boston accent? No, no. I think that I think that people were actually probably relieved that I didn't have one um, at the time. But mm -hmm. that was cool because I was there with David Ortiz, who's my favorite baseball player of all time. They won a championship in 2018. Mm -hmm. My last year was also David Ortiz's last year. People forget that, you know, people forget that. <laughs> you guys celebrated <laughs> that retirement together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's so cool because we got to travel with the team because Nesson is owned by the Red Sox. So, of course, we're their broadcast partner. And we got to travel with the team on their planes, in their buses. We stayed at their hotels. And that's the only time I've ever stayed at a Four Seasons. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, the only times, rather, I've stayed at Four Seasons. Sure. That's pretty great. When they were when we hosted the All Star Game here, Ortiz was part of the broadcast. Yeah, and so we were, of course, with the Alumni Association. We sell all the raffle tickets at all Rockies games. It's part of our big partnership with the fifty fifty raffle. Yeah, and so we were there early, and of course, it's the All Star Game. So I ate up every moment of just being there, even if I have a volunteer T shirt on. I don't care. Sure. I'm going to eat up everything. And we, pa I passed right past. Um, Ortiz on the hallway. And I think Brandy or I yelled out like big poppy. And he actually turned and pointed and I was like, this is it. I can die. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's truly like the nicest superstar. People ask me that all the time. It's a question I get. Who's mm -hmm. the nicest superstar? Yeah. Who's the best athlete? Who's the coolest athlete? And he, he's, and I don't say this just because I like him, but I've never seen an interaction from him with a fan opposing play. And that's why opposing players love him. Like he's, he's like their cool uncle. Um, he's like the coolest dude. Coolest dude ever. Coolest guy. You, you hear about that, and I think it's the it's the realness, right, and the authenticity. Oh, yeah. Like, I, like I'm a big Dodgers fan. Don't tell Colorado, um, but like Freddie Freeman's that guy. Like yeah. You see him anytime, anytime he's anywhere. People get to first base, they stop, they have a nice conversation with him, mm -hmm. and I have to think there's something to be said about realizing yes, this is a job. And again, for any professional athlete, I could talk for years about this. You got to have something that you turn on in your brain that is like go time. Of course, you know, <laughs> like you got to take it to another level. They have that switch, have and that. when you're able to turn it on and off to still be a human in the situations where it doesn't require that, I just appreciate that. So of course. Much. Let's talk a little bit about kind of your start at SportsCenter. Started with Snapchat. I remember from your uh, commencement presentation um, or your commencement speech and keynote speech, uh, you were just doing this as a side hustle on the weekends, flying out to <laughs> Connecticut on your own, realizing that there's an opportunity in front of you. This could turn into something. Let's go for this. Yeah. As you're doing that, so beyond like the, hey, there's a door, I'm going to walk through it and I'm going to do whatever it takes there has to be a little bit of hesitancy or questioning or excitement around like we're doing this on a, on Snapchat, on a social media platform. This has oh. never been done before. Mm -hmm. Is that exciting? Is that terrifying? Does that give a little bit more pressure to say, gosh, we got to figure this out right the first time. Cause maybe there's a little bit less grace with kids that are looking for a 30 second, you know, clickbait <laughs> versus, yeah. you know, we have years to be able to build credibility. Uh, all of that, actually, it was exciting. It was scary. It's still the wild, wild west, but you hear about companies that people wish they would have invested in early, Crocs, Amazon, Tesla, all of these companies. Uh, I think SportsCenter Snapchat is that for the sports space mm -hmm. because my he's now my agent, but at the time he was uh, a talent recruiter at ESPN. They were trying to get me in the door for years. He was a Red Sox fan. He saw me from Nesson, so we hit off a relationship in like 2013 and they were trying to get me a position at ESPN for years, but nothing ever really opened up. 
finally, November 2017, SportsCenter rolled out on Snapchat. So he's like, hey, we got this thing. It's on the phone. It's on your app. Um, standby. March rolls around. He's like, hey, we're ramping this thing up. Can't get you in this ESPN on a full-time deal doing like SportsCenter linear because, of course, I have a linear background. But we can give you a part-time contract um, on Snapchat every other weekend. I was working in Dallas at the time. We'll fly you up every other weekend. You'll do Friday, Saturday. We'll fly you back Sunday. Part-time deal. I said, absolutely. I just needed I just needed a crack. I just needed a crack in the door. Um, so I start in March of 18, and it was supposed to be every other week. Every single week they flew me up. Because after my first week, people call in sick. Because they were flying in other people. Sure. But people were calling in, or they didn't want to make it. And when I say didn't, want to come in. I mean, didn't, not couldn't. Mm-hmm. Something happened. They just didn't want to. I'm like, what are people doing? Like, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. So from the first week, I never missed a weekend. So I was working seven days a week from the end of February through the beginning of June. Cause I would do my show Monday to Friday in Dallas. It's a morning show. So then I would f- hop a flight Friday at like noon from Dallas fly to Connecticut to get there. I would do Snapchat Friday night, stay over, do Snapchat Saturday night, stay over, fly back Sunday, go to bed in time because my alarm went off at 3 a.m. Monday morning for the morning show. And I and I loved it. I freaking loved it. Um, Because when I left Nesson, I was telling myself, like, this is like a sabbatical. I'm getting out of sports. I'm going to go do entertainment for a year. And I just like sort of found myself. I I wanted the challenge. I wanted to grind and earn it. And I think there's like this stigma these days about the grind culture and working hard. That's how people, that's how people get ahead. Like you, you have to be willing to do what others won't. And that's what I did from March to June. Finally, they were like, we keep, we're spending more money flying you up here than we would if we just gave you a full-time contract. You want a full-time deal? Perfect. Cool. And I started full-time in uh, May 31st of 2018. That's awesome. I'm with yeah. you. I always say all the time, the hardest I've ever worked, that grind mentality, yeah. was my was when I was making the least amount of money mm-hmm. doing the most um, ridiculous jobs at some point in time because you're yeah. having to set that precedent and building that trust and that reputation that like, oh, no, whatever you need, I'm going to do. I mean, and I worked in college athletics for, you know, almost 12 years. And some of those jobs, are they're not pretty. They're not fun. They are not... Mm-hmm. They're thankless in a lot of ways. And I sit yes. there and I'm thinking, gosh, I had a master's degree. I'm making $32,000 a year and I'm working probably 100 hours a week. And I'm at everything all the time. I'm on call to whatever whatever coach needs, whatever they need at any point in time, whatever student athlete needs, whatever they need. Uh, and you got to do that, that bit of it. And I know that's not sustainable. Correct. It goes back to that idea of figuring out what is sustainable. But if you do the work, you build your reputation, you build your value add as somebody that's going to get stuff done. The rest of it opens up for you, right? There's just no boss in the world who, if you had a conversation with him and you told him or her, hey, I'm willing to do the least amount of work as possible. I'm your person. (laughs) Right. They're going to be like, what? Don't say that to anybody ever. I just, this just happened to me yesterday. We talked about like the grind culture and it's maybe it's just programmed in my head. I'm dead asleep yesterday. Just, I have Snapchat. Last night, so I got home at like 2 a.m. That's why I kind of look sleepy. I've been up. I'm dog sitting one of my friend's dogs, so I'm like double duty. Anyway, yesterday, 
my phone starts going off at five o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, who the hell is calling me? So I wake up and um, it was one of our producers. And I was like, why is he calling me? I was, I was dead asleep. So I was like, maybe he butt dialed me. Went back to bed immediately. My friend Kelsey calls me, who is an on-air person. And I'm like, oh, crap, I must be on the schedule this morning, 5 a.m. I usually don't work Monday mornings. So I call Jesus back. And he was like, yeah, apparently you were on the schedule. I had no idea. So I was like, all right, cool. I'll just meet you guys in the studio because we're on air at 7. And I'm usually at work by like 3.45. It's like 5.05 in the morning. So I get up. I go straight to the studio to do Sports Center Monday morning, the day after the Masters. And that's just a, a small example of when you get the call, one, if you have the ability to answer, answer the call. And then two, if you have the ability to help out or do whatever, like you should, you should do that. So I did Sports Center in the morning yesterday, and then I did Sports Center Snapchat at night. So I do a lot of these double dips, and and that's just life. That's just that's just the way it is. And I would say the more that obviously you have a passion for this space, this is something that you knew at 19 you wanted to do. Yeah. It feels, and I know I hate the saying that it's like, oh, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Like, don't get me started on that. But there is a truth at the heart of that, which is like, if it's something that you're passionate about and something that fuels you, yeah. you can you can use that to, to get past the fact that, yeah, I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be in the grind. I'm going to be working double duty, whatever that looks like. Because what you're doing, if you have a passion for it, you feel as though it's impactful, which clearly it is. Um, it can get you through that, right? Definitely. This episode is brought to you by the Bald Eagle. Bald since 1776. So I have a personal question I want to ask. So Randy okay. Scott, right? You guys have great on-air That's rapport. My God. He was a stand-up comedian before he got into yeah. uh broadcasting like how does that work like is he yeah. trying to make you laugh is he does do you know everything he's going to say is it on the teleprompter or is there like a game going on there no i'm telling you this and i've said this even before i i was partnered up with him randy scott this is no slight to any other anchor at espn is the funniest dude at the company i'm not kidding and that's there's a lot of funny dudes at the company but randy is so funny he has a knack for it it's so natural to him. Um, and he, yeah, he did used to do stand up when, when he was doing, uh, when he worked locally in Florida. And I keep telling him, I tell him all the time that he needs to get back into it because he's, he's so funny. And I, I tell this a lot to people too, because, you know, they talk to us about, you know, our duo and our chemistry. And I know that we have an audience of hundreds of thousands of people who watch Sports Center every morning. I write my scripts to make one person laugh. <laughs> like I write my scripts to make Randy laugh. So if I can get Randy to laugh, I know that chances are pretty good. There are some people at home also laughing. Um, and yeah, we just have like this, we're, we're four years different in age. And it's so funny because he worked at Nesson before me, but oh, really? he, we, we never, we never crossed paths. So when I got to Nesson, people were like, you're a lot like Randy. And then when I got to ESPN, people were like, you're a lot like Randy. Have you guys worked together? Did you guys work together at Nesson? And we never did. We never did until, you know, three years ago when I got a spot start with him and I was, the rest is history. He's, he's so funny. He's so natural. He's such a great dude. Um, even though he left me this weekend because he's taking <laughs> kids to Disney. That's messed up. Yeah, you know, he's kids. Taking, he's taking his roommates to Disney. <laughs> kids, they're not that great, right? <laughs> I know. 
I'm the best friend in the whole world. You're not taking me to Disney. Right? Uh, that's too funny. So so your first sports center, like your first opportunity to be an anchor on Sports Center, was it like you got the job and you're in, or was it really a spot start? Like you're filling in for somebody and we'll see how this oh, goes. Yeah. No, it was definitely a spot start. I started again part-time in 2018 and I went full-time May 31st, and it was just digital sports center Snapchat mm-hmm. sport, which by the way is my favorite thing I've done ever all time. It's something as long as the app exists, I will have some footprint on. I do three days a week right now. I'm like the, the old man on Snapchat right now, the, the godfather of Snap. But that's just the way I love it. I mean, I, I grew up with a whole generation of kids who every day somebody comes up to me or messages me and says, I started watching you in middle school. I'm in college now. I started watching you in middle school and I just got my first job out of college. I was like, damn. You're like an original influencer. You We're know? getting old. We're getting old. <laughs> I, I'm getting old. May, June, July, that entire summer was just digital. And that was totally fine with me. Like I knew I had to buy my time. The opportunity was going to come. I just had to be ready to, of course, answer the call. And that call came in November. Because, you, you know, people take vacations. It's Thanksgiving. It's Christmas. It's the new year. So I knew that there was going to be you know, some opportunities. And uh, the week of Thanksgiving, 2018, I, I finally got the call. So about six months in, Jill Fredrickson, who since retired, said, all right, we'll give you a chance. And I hosted my first sports center with Jay Harris. It was, uh, I think it was the day before Thanksgiving 2018. And it was the worst day of my life. One of the worst days of my life prior, because I was so nervous the day sure. before. I didn't eat. I literally didn't eat didn't sleep. I just wanted the show to be done so I can say I did my first sports center. And I said, this is sports center. I'm Jay Harris. <laughs> I didn't oh, say no. I'm Jay Harris, but I was yeah. like, Jay Harris, Gary Strisky. But that would have actually been hilarious. Yeah. Only years in the making. So um, yeah. And then, you know, you, you answer the call for some spot starts mm-hmm. for the next couple of months. And then all of a sudden you get like a weekend. Then all of a sudden you get like three straight days. Then all of a sudden like, oh, you're the first guy off the bench. Yeah. And then that kind of materialized into finally February of 2022. Nothing happens overnight. Um, they made me full time on TV on the weekends. That's great. I uh, So I have a, there's a group of us. Again, I worked in college athletics for a long time. Yeah. And there's a, I have a group of friends uh, from when I was at Iowa State. They were gymnasts there. And so um, one of the gymnasts, uh, her and her husband, gigantic sports fans on all, all the space. And so it was the day after you did our commencement yeah. uh, announcement. You went back, you hosted Sports Center, and you put up the photo of you and Dr. Davidson and Rowdy oh, yeah. on Sports Center. And all of a sudden, she takes a picture from her TV, sends it to me. She's like, "It's Gary," <laughs> because of course I'm always like, "Oh yeah, one of our alums is on Sports Center." You know, yeah. like, like it's something that we did. You know, uh, but I, yeah, we we did do <laughs> we that. did do that. But it was so awesome, and I'm like, this person that is has no no connection to MSU Denver, but for being connected to my personal network is like, yeah. knows who you are, knows that you came to school here and is like, oh my God, and that's your mascot. And he just puts you on TV. That's awesome. Yeah. So. The degrees of separation in this business in particular are so small. You know, it's like the six degrees of separation. You can connect one person to another. In this business particularly, it's a degree of separation, I would say. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's the sports world. I say it all the time. I teach a course in our sport management program as well. I teach a legal okay. liability course and always and taught a college athletics course for a short while. And I always tell the students, I go, listen, yes, we're here to learn about the law and sports, but most of you are not going to go on and be attorneys. So 
we're just trying to create some don't do lists, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But re the real value that I can add to you is like, I worked in college athletics for 12 years. I have people that will answer the phone when they call because we are all committed to building the next generation of professionals in this space. Yeah. Um, and only a few of them will ever take me up on that. But one of them in particular took me up um, probably two years ago I taught. And just this weekend, softball was playing over at Colorado School of Mines. And I roll up and there she is as a full-blown employee of Colorado School of Mines. Great. And I was like, oh my gosh, Amy, great to see you. And so I was talking to some of their administrators and she introduced me as the faculty member of all the things that I do on this campus. She's like, oh, she's the faculty member that got that you know got me connected and got me set up at this job. And I was like, I didn't know I did that, but I'm glad you took those resources that we put in front of you. But it is such a small world, right? It is. It is. And it's incredibly small. So the last thing I'll ask you about Sports Center, since I'm sure, sure you talk about it all the time. I don't. This is great. Oh, this is great. Perfect. We yeah, can do this for great. hours. Um, Sports Center commercials. If you had an idea for one, who yeah. do you pitch it to theoretically? So his name's <laughs> his name's Ira Fritz, and I'm working with him right now on this uh, this <laughs> this cheese it spot that we're actually putting on TikTok. I've I've already said too much, uh, <laughs> uh, but he's no longer in charge of Sports Center. This is Sports Center commercials because I wanted to do one a couple of years ago with Jay Harris that like. Here comes this new dude. He's on TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, and he's like teaching Jay Harris. And it was kind of a loose, half-baked idea that we were going to flush out. But uh, Randy and I have a couple of ideas that might pertain using some makeup, pre-show, his Raiders, a couple extra, couple extra uh, variables in this thing. We're just waiting to get the green light. And by waiting to get the green light, we are waiting for the This Is Sports Center people to tap us for a commercial because that's when you know you've made it. Right, <laughs> right. Like, hey, hey, you guys ready to put us in a commercial yet? No? Okay, cool. Okay, cool, cool, awesome. Cool. Yeah. We're going to go away now. Hey, you guys want to put us? No, still no? Okay, cool. <laughs> I always imagined, I'm glad to hear this. This is my bias confirmation. I've always imagined that like that's the thing that is a sports anchor for sports center like that you're waiting that's when you've made it is when you've made it into a commercial yeah. for this is sports center and so i'm for glad sure. to know that that's really truly how you feel about it too yeah for sure i mean i've done commercials i've my most recent one i was in a top golf commercial that aired after the super bowl and obviously that's freaking awesome i got to play the mandalorian in a star wars commercial and that was freaking awesome but those things would have to take a back seat in terms of how awesome it was or awesome it is if I ever get tapped for a This Is Sports Center commercial. They're just timeless and they're so funny. And it's the wit that I just love it. And if they are one of the ones that stick and are memorable, they all are very funny. Mm -hmm. But if they're the ones that you can think of right off the top, like Jay Harris, I think still has the best one of all, one of the best ones of all time, the New Jersey Devil commercial elevator. Yep. I mean, it's so, it's so simple. It's so simple. Elevator, boom, the devil's in the elevator, going up. No, never mind. Like that's that's right. so good. Right. That is so good. I talk to him about that all the time, actually. My co-hosts probably hate me because when I work with like the old school cats, they're like, this kid needs to stop asking me questions about like the good old days. Cause I'm like, tell me about this commercial and tell me about, you know, this time and tell me about Michael Jordan. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's fun. It's like you're a kid in a candy store when you're working with people that you grew up watching.
And I, I got to imagine, I appreciate, I think, that you're authentic still on that because I, I would imagine there's this pressure to be like, okay, I've arrived. Now I need to play the professional part. But you can't, t- you can't turn that off. You got to still be who you are, right? I still do this every other show, commercial break or we're on tape. I'll just look around and I'll just say, damn, we're really doing Sports Center right now. <laughs> I'm like such a tourist in my own home, effectively. But it's cool. I don't think anybody should ever lose that lust. Nobody should ever lose that that passion or that shine or that like childhood ambition um, and like that wonderment. Like, cause there, it still exists in adulthood. I mean, it really does. You know, everybody looks back fondly on their childhood, man. Those those moments, but you get those moments in adulthood too, in different passions and areas of areas of passion that uh, you might find yourself in. Yeah, it doesn't have to be sports. It could be whatever. Whatever it is, it could be flash dance, you know. It could yeah. be theater, you know. It could be working as, right. a, as a as a as as an extra in a production. It's <laughs> <laughs> the truth. Um, so one of the things I do just want to make sure we give you an opportunity to chat about. You've stayed connected with MSU Denver, right, in yeah. various ways. And one of the things that I think we appreciate about you most, especially from the alumni side, is that when we text you, we call you, we email you, you answer. Yeah, for sure. Why is that important to you? Why do you do that? There's a million things that I'm sure you're getting calls and texts for. Why do you answer our call? I remember being a college kid and reaching out to the people who I wanted to emulate or wanted to look up to or saw myself as being or working in a career path that I thought I could follow. And I remember reaching out to some of those people and not hearing anything or reaching out to some of those people and maybe getting a less than warm response or maybe a cold response or um, something other than what I expected. And I just know that I'll never be that guy who will make anybody else feel that way. Um, Everybody's just trying to do their best, right? And if I can be a small part in helping that person get to that point, it could be a phone call. It could be a 10 minute podcast interview, or it could be answering a questionnaire, or it could be responding to social media comments, whatever. Um, I want to make myself available to the people who are like me and were like me looking for that person to say, okay, that guy could be an ally to me, or that guy can be a role model, or that guy can be somebody who I can use as a resource, or I can look up to as a resource. So um, I'll do my best from now until forever um, to try to be that person because I know that those are the people who helped me uh, coming up. And I think the world needs more of those people just sort of in general, right? Like who are willing to answer the call or have a conversation or give some words of encouragement. And that's my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But that's spot on. I mean, you're, you're right. I, I think most people can look back in their lives and identify one or two key moments or key people or key mm. conversations that help inform some of the most impactful, you know, trajectories that they went on. Um, yeah. And if we can remind ourselves that we could be one of those people, and oftentimes I think people just don't think they're that powerful or they're that impactful or that they have all the right answers or they're, they're looking for the perfect answer and not realizing that sometimes just answering and having a conversation allows someone to derive what they need out of that. Um, mm. If we could all focus on that. We would be in a better place, I think. There's no more pressure than I felt recently. And 
his name is escaping me, but I follow him on Instagram. And I just got done talking to you about how much pressure I felt my first sports center in November of 2018. Well, this particular young gentleman came up to me in December and said, the only reason I came to Metro is because I know that you came here. And that's why I enrolled. And that's why I'm in Met Media. That's so much pressure. <laughs> that's so much pressure to know that, you know, what you did, and it's good pressure. It's good pressure. But what you did, and I guess the the path that you decided to choose was, I guess, worthy enough of somebody else to say, I'm going to try that too. And I don't ever want to let anybody down in that regard. So if you're watching or listening, hit me up on Instagram because I know I follow him, but the name escapes me. Um, but I think it was him and his girlfriend who came up to me, uh, got a picture and everything. He was wearing a Rockies jersey. I would recognize the face. Um yeah, and I know that there are there are multiple stories like that. Well, and that's, you know, we think about that. I think about it all the time, having worked in higher ed my whole career. You think about the Ivy League schools, and so much of why students choose those schools is because they have exactly what you're talking about, multiple versions of, if mm. I want to be president, here's what I do. If I want to be, you know, X, Y, Z, right? Like all of these places, you see um, an emulated version of your future and your 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 dreams and ambitions because you can see it being tangible in someone else. Yeah. Uh, and so oftentimes when we think about state institutions, that's something we hear all the time is like, oh, you don't have the network and you don't have this and you don't have that. And it's like, let's stop poo-pooing that stuff because it is. We have all of those things. Yeah. We have a sports center anchor that did this path. And now we have young people saying, I want to do that path. If he could do it from here, yeah. that means I can do it here. Doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. Doesn't mean I'm not going to have to hustle. I'm not going to have to grind, do all those things, but there is a, there's an opportunity. There's a possibility because someone's done it first. And I think that's what an incredible conversation for you to have with a young man. Yeah. Visibility is real. It is. For sure. It is. I do need to ask you about Costco and Kirkland. So what's oh, the, well, how much time do you have? Well, I mean, I got how all day. How much time do you have? <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Kirkland brands, spot on, but you rep it at a new level and are the super- The signature is the most trusted signature in America today. The $1.50 hot dog and soda special is the greatest, single greatest value in America. We're, we're okay. going to cut all this up. We'll send it to Kirkland, see if we can get you sponsored, um, you know? And they, listen, they don't need me and I don't need- You I'm, need their hot I, dog. <laughs> I, just, I just respect well-run, good value companies. <laughs> and- Kirkland is my one stop. I went there twice yesterday. <laughs> That's awesome. That's in between working two shifts yesterday. I went there twice. And that's just because I don't make lists Fair. and I might have forgot something. I buy my golf balls there. I buy my breakfast sandwiches. There's nothing you can't get at Costco. Oh, what's that? You need Wagyu beef and tires? That's awesome. Well, I know just the spot, okay? <laughs> you need new shorts and spoons and also egg whites. I know just the spot. <laughs> I, I get it. You're, you're not wrong. So I played uh, in college. I went to school at UC San Diego and I played softball there. Uh, and so there was a Costco, right? Kind of not far from our campus. And so again, poor college kid doing whatever they needed to do to get by. Yeah. Every day after practice, pretty much my entire junior year, there'd be three of us that would just go to Costco and have hot dogs or the chicken bake back in the day oh, when they had the chicken bake. Back in the day, they still have it. Do they still have it? Yeah, oh, they, it's you good can to know. get it in the freezer section now. That's awesome. But you go, you spend three bucks, you get a good meal, and yeah. then you can walk around for a couple hours of yeah. entertainment of looking at the things that you may or may not need, but you can buy them all in one spot. 
right? Say less. I'm mm-hmm. there and I live yeah. by myself. Yep, that's right. This oh, is Bird Talk brought to you by Costco, everyone. Please, yes. The most trusted <laughs> brand in America. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's awesome. What is the most memorable moment you've had? You talked about going to the White House, doing all of these different things. What's one of, I, probably not the most, but one of those like pinnacle moments where you're like, holy smokes, I'm here. I've made it. Holy smokes. Like, why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, gosh, the White House visit was one of those. I was, uh, it was when Obama was the president and I was probably, well, I guess you can't see my kitchen, but I was probably... Ruby, how far is that bookcase behind you? Like 10 feet? Okay. So maybe Obama was like three feet past that. Like I was like, it was like 10 feet. And I was like, what am I doing here? Don't make any sudden moves. (laughs) Don't make any sudden moves around any president. That was just cool to be on the lawn at the White House. Uh, I was there with the Red Sox because they won the World Series in 13. So we're opening the season in Baltimore. So we took a road trip and on the day off and they got presented their rings and everything. And that was, that was just, that was just cool. You know, I never thought when I was at Metro, I would be with the Boston Red Sox on the front lawn at the white house. What? No, that's the most ridiculous thing that you could ever say until it happens. And then, and then it's not right. Uh, I interviewed Steve Carell during a Red Sox game. I'm a big office fan. So Michael Scott, that was cool. I asked him if well, that was- made your that made your commencement speech. It I did. appreciated it that you didn't reference one of the like philanthropists that actually did it in real life, but you talked about Scott's tots. And in my head, I was like, yeah. uh, I started doing the chant. Yeah. You know, hey, Mister Scott, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what you, you gonna, gonna do? do? You gonna do? Did you come true? true. Yep, I'm, with you. I'm gonna buy you all <laughs> laptop chargers. <laughs> yeah, yeah chargers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, can I pay for your books? Okay, but don't cash this check. <laughs> it's just, ah, uh, gosh, it's so it's good. It's great. Jamie Foxx recognizing me was pretty cool. Um, at the All-Star Game in Charlotte, I was like walking up to him to see if he wanted to be on SportsCenter. I have this thing where I'm like, top plays, man, give me that. And I try to get famous people to do it. And I walked up to Jamie Foxx. I was like, hi, Jamie, my name is Gary. I work at SportsCenter. He's like, Gary, stop. I know who you are. I watch your show. What do you want to do? I was like, holy smokes, this is Jamie Foxx. Um, and that was like at the beginning of my Sports Center Snapchat days. And that's when I really started to understand the impact our show had. Right. When athletes would start coming up to me and say, hey, that was pretty funny. Or, hey, you talk too much about me, which Odell Beckham Jr. did. <laughs> no <And> kidding. <laughs> so Odell Beckham Jr. watches the show enough to listen to me make jokes about him on a regular basis. <laughs> Oops. Um, so it's, it's cool. It's cool to like have that with, with people like those athletes, like, again, I'm 36 and these guys are all in their twenties. I remember RJ Barrett coming up to me. Like I was the coolest thing ever. And he was like, dude, I watch you all the time. But he plays for the Knicks now. And, <laughs> and you're like, I watch Duke. you all the time. Yeah. He went to Duke. <laughs> and I'm like, Holy smokes. It's the Maple Mamba. Uh, and there's just, there's so many moments like that that are, that are pretty cool. And I think what's always so unique about athletes, as opposed to like any other entertainment industry, you know, you're a musician, you're an actor, you're playing a part in that moment. Athletes, like that's just who you are, right? You're just a person, but we, we idolize them in such a way because of the things that they do that then when you realize that, no, 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 they're similar, just like us probably watching other people in some other place do something that's like, oh, that's just as cool. So to have that kind of turned back on you and be like, no, 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 what you're doing is cool. Yeah. 
Um, okay, we have three uh, rapid fire questions that we've been asking um, all of our guests on, and so they're not nothing crazy, but we'll go through those first. So, our first uh, rapid fire question your favorite MSU Denver memory? Carl in Compton. No, Gary in Compton. Or is it Carl? I think it was Carl. So there was a professor named Dr. Larry Collette, and we had to do this video presentation. And it exists somewhere, somewhere in the annals of Met Media's uh, media room. And it had to be like this, this video presentation. And it was like start to finish. I wrote it. I acted in it. And it was basically, it was a, it was a ripoff of Fresh Prince. And it was me. Um, I either moved to Compton or moved out of it. And it was, it was really funny. Um, and I know it exists somewhere. We used the graphics of the Fresh Prince. We used the music and it sort of followed that theme. And, uh, that was fun. That was, that was a really, really fun project, uh, that we did and it exists somewhere. Oh, we're going to find it. Somewhere on that campus. We're going to find it. We're going to bring it back. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So our second rapid fire question. Yeah. What does it mean to you to be a roadrunner? Resiliency is the key. Um, resiliency and finding a way, just like the roadrunners do, right? Don't they live in like barren landscapes? Yeah, Arizona. <laughs> yeah, they have to like just just figure it out, like find a way. And I think when you asked me that question, the first word that came to mind was resilient because of all of the things that we sort of talked about, right? Like odds are stacked against you. That's just the way... That's just the way life works. And yes, it's not fair. It's not right. But listen, life is not fair. It's not fair at all. But you can even the playing field um, with resiliency and the ability and the want to um, to do something about it. So um, I think that's that's what it is. And if you get an opportunity, take it and quite literally run with it. It's perfect. Um, then our last one is if you could put a billboard on campus with a piece of advice for all students to see, what would it say? If you don't say yes to any opportunity, there are 100 people right behind you who will kick the door down to say yes to it. I tell everybody, don't ever say no to an opportunity because there are countless numbers of people who will say yes right behind you. And that could be the one opportunity. This is way too much to put on a billboard. <laughs> because of, but uh, yeah, never say no to an opportunity because there are countless of people, countless number of people who will say yes to said opportunity. Um, boom, that's the billboard. And this is the story behind it. When I was leaving Metro, I, of course, flooded the market with applications and I was willing to move to Vermont and Maine and Montana and North Dakota and, you know, name all of those states that are afterthoughts to so many people. Um, I was willing to move anywhere just to get my foot in the door. Every single one of those places said no to me that I got told yes by one station. That's it. Cheyenne, Wyoming. Casper said no to me. Uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming gave me the one opportunity. McCready Egeter, who's the news director, gave me the one opportunity that I got. I got a hundred no's. I got one yes. And you have to take advantage of the one yes that you get. You're going to get told no way more than you're going to get told yes. It's just, what do you do with those yeses? That's what counts. That's awesome. I'd buy that billboard. 
pick. Yeah, it's, it you needs know? to be an extra large billboard for all. Yeah, of that. probably but really big. Maybe we could wrap board. all of the student success building with that entire quote. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> follow it along all four corners, and then at yeah. the very end, it ends. Period. Yeah. <laughs> so, so my last uh, thought as I'm sitting here, you said you're 36. You're hosting Sports Center on the weekend, a coveted position. So what's next? Like, is this it? Are you, you want to be the guy that's in the chair for a long time or are there aspirations beyond this? I don't think aspirations should never die. You should always want to see what's next, right? Well, ever since sixth grade, I said, I'm going to host sports center one day. That was my life goal. It's in my yearbook in middle school. Um, and now that I've gotten the opportunity to do that and the opportunity to make a living doing that, I would be 100% okay with doing this the rest of my life. Like if ESPN came to me tomorrow and said, we'll pay you exactly what we're paying you and you can do it for the next 20 years. Your schedule stays the same. Your show stays the same. I would just say, where do I sign? Um, that's not to say I'm not interested about other topics or things outside of sports. You mentioned the real estate stuff. I find my interests and hobbies outside of sports and elsewhere but as it relates to what I do for a living and what I find the most passion and the most fun in, it's doing exactly what I'm doing right now. And I hope, seriously, I hope that everybody listening to this and watching this finds, finds that for themselves in their life because it's so rewarding once you get there. Um, and I hope that those people like myself are so appreciative of those opportunities because it's hard to get there, but once you get there, you have to you have to appreciate it and you have to continue getting better to make sure that, you know, that's a spot that you deserve to keep. We always think about career trajectories as this linear path that like you've got mm -hmm. to keep climbing, climbing, climbing. Well, when you get where you want to get, whether it's at the top or it's at the place in the middle that you've said you've always wanted to get, um, I think there's a great power in then saying, that that aspiration could look like something else. It can look like what else, yeah. not what more, but how could I diversify? Yeah. How could I find interests and hobbies in other places? And I think that's something we don't think about enough Definitely. is that it doesn't always have to be a climb up one mountain. Why don't you just take a look at the entire landscape and figure out yeah. the places that make you happy? I think that there's a lot of pride in being in a place and you know hunkering down in that place and then making those people, places, and things better around you. I mean, they were good when you got there, but how can you improve the lives of the people in that same sphere as you, right? So if if I'm part of a sports center team that, let's say, gets back to people watching it, one and a half million viewers a show, right? Which I think like Scott Van Pelt gets, but the morning show doesn't get that. But what if I got to a place where, People got so people had me so ingrained in their routine that that organically builds, and all of a sudden, that sports center that I get to be on grows two x, three x, four x in viewership. My trajectory didn't change, and I didn't want more, more, more. I didn't want to leave. I just found where I was at, where I was rooted, and I just sort of bloomed out. Yep, that way. It's about making a bigger pie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you're spot on. And I think that those things come as a result of all of the other types of grinding and hard work and, mm -hmm. and taking time to answer calls and give advice and mentor people. And all of those things we've talked about today, uh, those are all pieces to that puzzle of just making everything bloom around you. Definitely.
And I love that you're doing that. And I love that you're doing it as an MSU Denver alum. And then we get to be excited about screaming that from our mountaintops. So thank you, Gary. Me too. It's pretty cool. It is. It is pretty cool. I got to check off a life bucket list item literally in December doing the commencement speech. I'm serious. That was so cool. At 36, no less, you know, my God. I know. That was cool. (laughs) Brandy says you're welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, Brandy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope I get to do it again in the future. You know, maybe maybe we can make it in every 10 year thing. hundred percent. You heard it here. I will get that contract drafted right next to the one that says sports center will got you for the next 20 years. And we'll get that in writing because anytime you're on campus, I know um, our students light up when they get to hear um, stories about people that look and feel and have the same experiences as them uh, and to see where you've landed and where you're going to continue to to broaden kind of that landscape around you. It's just exciting. And I'm glad that we get to share it with people today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That was great. Thank you, Gary. This was amazing. Um, I appreciate you taking the time. And I know you got a show tonight, right, on Snapchat? Yeah, I do. As always, we'll continue to tweet at you when we have some top 10 worthy yeah. MSU Denver Roadrunner moments because we've gotten them on before. I know our men's soccer team got a goal on a few That's years right. ago. Baseball team got um, on maybe a year or two ago. Yeah, two years ago, I think. Yeah. Jamie, Brandy, and Ruby, thank you so much. Seriously, for having me. That was, that was really great. You know where to get me. Anytime I can help with anything, of course, please reach out. Well, we appreciate it. Thanks so much and have a great rest of your day and good luck tonight. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Bird Talk, special accommodation provided by University Advancement. Thank you to Ruby Matheny, Brandy Rideout, Heather Holzbauer-Schweitzer, and Andy Schlichting. Production provided by David Sharman, and I'm your host, Jamie Hurst. Keep running, roadies.